0: My name is Barry McGee. I am responsible for sales and business development for uh, e-mobility covering uh, Great Britain and
1: Ireland. Hi, I'm Martin Lorimer. I work in Future Grid as a product manager. How will the grid cope with the extra capacity? I suppose initially it will cope fine. And with the uptake of EV, it's going to become a really interesting challenge. We're going to see time of use tariffs. So energy suppliers help him manage the demand coming from electric vehicles by changing the cost or the price of energy. And eventually there's going to have to be a little bit more copper put in the ground and and potentially more generation to be able to cope not just with EV, but with electrification of transport and electrification of heat.
0: Uh, And I guess recently, referring back to a statement from National Grid where they're saying there will be significant capacity of energy available, uh, particularly from wind generation, and really, from a lower networks perspective, you know, these guys have been working on solutions like Martin says, clever solutions, smart solutions over the last five, six years to accommodate all that extra energy uh, on, on the network itself. And yes, that might need a little bit of a reinforcement of the grid, uh, particularly on, on the lower side of things. But it, it's nothing these guys are too concerned about.
1: With regards to charging at home, is the infrastructure robust enough to handle 40-plus cars on my street plugging in at once?
0: You know, the question is, will everybody be plugging in at the same time? Uh, Speaking from a personal experience, I plug in overnight when electricity is greener and, in my case, is actually free. So I think people will be plugging in at different times of the day, yes, uh, when it suits them. Um, Economically, I would say, in particular, from a grid perspective then yes there may need to be some great upgrade under the streets and pavements and combining that with the use of the energy on the driver's side i think things won't be as bad perhaps as as people might think uh, they may be
1: already the way electricity is provided to homes on a street there's diversity it's an engineering way of saying that the chances of everything being switched on at the same time is unlikely to happen So that's been the way the grid's been handled for many years. EV does represent a new challenge. Chargers should support smart charging, which means there's the ability to remotely turn the dial on cars. And so we will see emerging solutions where instead of having to invest in In the grid or in additional copper in the ground, people will be incentivized because, again, you know, it's not like a mobile phone where you're charging every night. It's going to become more when do you need to travel? And as soon as smart systems understand either your behaviors or you tell it when I need to drive by, the systems can adapt and flex that electricity. Why does my car charger slow down when the battery reaches 60% charge? So we regularly get asked questions about speed of charging and usually the main factor here is the vehicle. So I've got a plug-in hybrid. Its limitation is it can only take 3 kilowatts. So if I plug it into a 22 kilowatt charger... It will only ever take three kilowatts, even though that charge is there saying 22 kilowatts. Now that's, that's an AC charging vehicle. If you've got a um, higher power, let's say a DC charging vehicle with a much bigger battery, so a full electric vehicle, the car and the battery is very much in charge of the amount of power it's going to take from the charger and and I guess a great analogy here is when you're at a petrol pump in a petrol powered car you control the flow of petrol going in with the trigger With electric vehicles, think of the vehicle controlling that trigger. So for my plug-in hybrid, it can only pull it a little bit. That's the most it can take. And if you've got a fully electric DC vehicle, it's going to be able to pull that trigger a lot harder and therefore take a lot more power. Then you come into factors like The vehicle has to look after its battery. And so as it gets fuller, it's going to start to release that trigger a little bit. So even if you're plugged into a really high-powered charger, if you look on your app or you look on the screen to see what power's going in, it might be reduced. And that's very typically because of the battery management systems on the vehicle, guarding and protecting the battery. And I suppose, secondly, you might have been in a petrol station, fully pulling that trigger, but only a trickle's come out. And in that situation, the petrol station's running low on fuel. And the analogy here with electric vehicles is there might be times where the grid cannot give as much electricity as the car needs. So when it comes to slow charging, I suppose there's a few factors. There's the vehicle, the actual constraints of the vehicle. Then there's the dynamic behavior of the vehicle based on state of charge, temperature, battery chemistry. And then there's the actual power availability from the grid.
0: Do public chargers split the power going into each charger if two cars are plugged in? This is a feature that we're now introducing as part of our new C-Charge D, high power charger, where it can dynamically manage the power between vehicles. So if, for example, one vehicle turns up, it gets you know all of the power at, at that particular time. However, if another car turns up for a charge the charger will then start to dynamically share that power between the two vehicles and likewise if a third one turns up you know it can share amongst the the three vehicles even and there's certain configurations that we will have whereby one charger can share the power between five vehicles it's really quite unique in that others don't really have it so true dynamic sharing of the power uh, it's a really cool feature. It effectively enables the developer or the guys who are installing the chargers to manage their footprint more efficiently. You just have one large charger and maybe a few smaller dispensers feeding the other vehicles. However, it is a very economical approach, I would say. And the thing is, you know, for example, if we had a 300 kilowatt charger, you know, most cars these days cannot take that level of power. Most vehicles these days, even the new vehicles being introduced to the market, they can really only take maybe 150 kilowatts and you don't even get that level of power for the whole duration of the charge. So, you know, it's a really economical, and practical approach to sharing power across multiple vehicles.
1: What is the difference between kilowatts and kilowatt hours?
0: An analogy that I sometimes use compares pouring a glass of water to charging a battery. So the amount of water in liters that ends up in the glass equates to the amount of energy in kilowatt hours in a battery. And the rate at which you pour the water into the glass equates to the level of kilowatts used to charge the battery. So you could say kilowatts is the speed of the pour. So to summarize on this one, the amount of charge in a battery is measured in kilowatt hours and how fast you charge that battery is in kilowatts. So I hope this uh, makes it a little bit clearer.
1: Is it expensive for me to charge at home?
0: I would say absolutely not. I've just recently signed up to a smart EV tariff at home it is actually free from midnight to 7am so what you, you could you know equate it to the old economy seven type tariffs where you could uh, charge up your heaters during the night to release the heat during the day okay the peak rate during the day is it's increased a little bit by about a penny uh, but not significant uh, however you know, between midnight and seven a.m., the the electricity that I'm using to charge up my car is is free and it's green and it's clean. I've actually taken it one step further, where I'm actually timing my dishwasher <laughs> to come on as well uh, during that period. So I am. Taking it a little bit to the extreme, I know, but I, I, I love playing with these kind of things. So, yeah, I sort of delay the start of the dishwasher around tea time for for eight or nine hours. So it kicks in overnight. Uh, but uh, it all helps. It all helps.
1: And you're going to find charging at home is most likely a driver's cheapest option. Charging on the road has the benefit that you can get higher power charging than you could at home and therefore you could charge faster and you're going to pay for that benefit because someone's invested in the charging hardware, you, you know, the networks have got to be able to recover their costs for investing in that infrastructure, not just for the charges, but for maybe the grid connections. Is range anxiety more of a problem for commercial users? And what are the main barriers for adoption for them?
0: Ah, good question. Um, It varies quite a lot, I would say. And I guess if we think about, I guess, the range that a vehicle uh, needs to perform on a, on its daily use, you know, some of the range, some of the driving patterns and uh, distances will be fixed. So if we think about, you know, the buses, you know, those distances are really fixed, so the operator can get a really good feel on the range of the vehicle that he or her needs. Uh, So that's quite easy to to manage. Where you have maybe logistics companies moving across to electric vehicles. At times, yeah, the, the range can vary a little bit, but not significantly. You know, if we think of a lot of the fleet operators we're engaging with at the moment, particularly in urban areas, these vehicles, they don't actually travel a lot. You know, maximum mileage could be in around London, maybe 50 miles, maybe not even that per day. It's probably more of a an issue when you're when you're doing those sort of intercity runs. There, there there's probably a lot more thought needed to go into that the type of vehicle for
1: those sort of runs. In a way, this actually helps with health and safety. So if you are on three four hundred mile journey, stop take a break while you're charging get a coffee so in a way it actually helps enforce a more safer way of driving while giving your body the relief it needs the whole sort of electric
0: game the electrification of transport you know it's it's all about behavioral change um an attitude towards how we move move ourselves and and move goods and uh, one of the things we, we talk about a lot is the fact that you know, going forward, putting energy into your vehicle will become a secondary activity once you're doing something else. Whereas I guess today it's a primary activity. You go somewhere to fill up your vehicle, i.e. the service station or the petrol station. So it, it will take a little bit of time, I think, for us all to become confident in it and to start to adopt our behavior. But uh, I think it will definitely happen is it important we don't try and apply EV solutions where they don't make total sense? Will motorways be the home of hybrids and hydrogen? Mm. This is an interesting one, Um, lots of debate at the moment around hydrogen. It's a hot topic, you could say, in in many ways, and it all depends for me how how quickly the whole hydrogen topic and technology can, can advance batteries, the electrification of transport is quite well advanced now and even some of the large vehicle OEMs who were looking at hydrogen have switched recently back to electric. Battery chemistries and the technologies within those batteries, they're improving uh, at a rapid rate. And if we even think about what Elon Musk is planning uh, this year to introduce the new semi-trucks, uh, into the market. You know, these trucks will do 500 miles per a charge and, you know, that will be significant. So I just think the electrification of fleet has so many more benefits, shall we say, than possibly hydrogen. But I always say there will be a mix. There will definitely be a mix. There'll be other types of fuels, not only hydrogen, that could possibly be play some part in those long-distance trunking routes.
1: I think that's right, because you got to say, at the end of the day, why are you electrifying transport? or What, what are electric cars for? Well, it's quite simple. Decarbonisation. If you've got your electric car plugged in at home, and if you're not on a green tariff, the electricity you're buying off your supplier isn't coming from wind or solar. If it's coming from uh, coal or gas, then you're not really decarbonizing hydrogen. I think, as Bernie says, it depends where it comes from. At the moment, the, the production of hydrogen has got a certain carbon footprint. And if you're relying on it for transport, you've got to then think about the way it's then distributed. I don't see anyone at the moment thinking, hey, all, all the petrol stations, let's convert them and make them hydrogen filling stations. So electricity there's already a grid there that's accessible at home, in the workplace or, or, or in public. Whereas hydrogen, um, I, I guess you've got the issues around the, the production and the distribution. Hydrogen is definitely going to be a massive, massive thing. But I, I'd say it's good few years off at the moment.
0: And the other thing people tend to forget, and you mentioned it there as well, it's the distribution of hydrogen. So, you know, we're still going to need lorries, vehicles, tankers, you know, moving this highly dangerous gas around the place. Whereas I guess you mentioned too, you know, the grid is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. We can connect into it at various points. And in some respects, by using the grid, we're, we're taking more transport off the road. That has to be a good thing as well.
1: What is the difference between AC and DC charging? AC charging, it's the most simple. There's a bunch of electronics in the vehicle that are actually handling a conversion from AC to DC. Whereas with DC charging you're putting the much higher power electronics in a unit outside of the vehicle. So in a way, it's actually reducing the cost of the vehicle because it's moving that electronics into a unit outside of the vehicle.
0: Uh, Again, if we think about the, the buses and the trucks, for those guys, the capacity is key. You know, how many people, what amount of goods. So if they can move some of the technology off the vehicle, into the charger, a DC charger in this case, that obviously has benefits for the vehicle and and ultimately the the fleet operator. Cars, buses, trucks, from an energy point of view, are they all the same?
1: I guess the key differences is how how heavy are the loads? So if it's a big, heavy truck, it's going to need higher power motors to actually um, propel it forward with the load. Um, and therefore, it's going to need a, a battery with higher energy capacity.
0: We're learning a lot at the moment about the development of the electric trucks. And again, yes, we have the energy needed to move the vehicle. But then there there are certain utility vehicles and trucks that that need energy for doing other things. So if we think, for example, the the refuse trucks, the bin lorries that we see, there are other. Activities on that vehicle that are needed then to, you know, move mechanics on the vehicle to take care of the, the rubbish from the bins, etc. So that requires extra energy to, to carry out that function on the vehicle itself. So certain vehicles will have refrigeration on them as well. So again, not just moving the vehicle and then also sort of lifting apparatus, you know, getting goods onto the vehicle. So again, more power, more energy needed for these type of things. But it's really interesting. We're we're learning almost on a weekly basis about all of these other implications, uh, shall we say, and requirements for uh, electric trucks.
1: But are they safe to
0: drive in the rain?
1: they're very safe the standards around charging uh, around the connectors used the the wires the standards are there for a reason and they, they they set very very high standards in terms of safety so you you've got the vehicle and and the safety in the in the vehicle and driving the vehicle that's one thing and then safety around charging where there are so many protection systems built in to charging Products, it's very, very low risk.
0: Copyright Siemens. Siemens, ingenuity for life.